Heavenly Father, enable in us this morning a, a spirit of pondering and treasuring your word that our hearts might be changed. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, if we were playing a game where you associate a, a Christmas movie from scenes with Jesus' life, today's reading from Luke would be, does anybody have any guesses on this? Home Alone, you got it. Eight o'clock did too. So just to recap, you've got a boy um, whose mom and dad and siblings are taking an annual pilgrimage with the extended family, and, and suddenly after about a day's journey, mom realizes that they've left their son, and when they finally make their way back to him, they find that he's safe and secure in his father's house, right? Really, I could still be talking about either one, Macaulay Culkin or Jesus, um, one of my favorite quotes from Home Alone is at the very beginning when the, the house is just exploding with family members and, and everyone's rushing around to, to get ready to leave town the next day and little Kevin, little Macaulay Culkin, uh, yells out, this house is so full of people it makes me sick. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. And then, of course... I love the very end, and, and I apologize if I'm spoiling a 30-year-old movie for you, but um, Kevin's mother, played by Catherine O'Hara, um, finally makes her way home to find that Kevin has, um, the audience knows that he's protected their, their home from would-be burglars, right? But she notices something. There's just this quick moment in, in the scene where she walks through the door before she even sees Kevin, and she looks over to her right, and she sees that he's put up the Christmas tree. Do you remember this scene? He's put up the Christmas tree, and she looks at the mantle, and, and there's stockings hung, and the, the whole house is decorated. And um, it just shows this transformation of a kid who wished that his family would disappear to, the, to, to a young man, really, who prepared and protected his home for their return. And not only Kevin, but we get this sense that his mother had undergone a transformation too from this frenetic, sort of hurried, short-tempered parent to a mother that was on a mission to make her way home, come hell or high water or John Candy, um, and wrap her arms around her son. And I just wonder if maybe that's a picture of how Mary felt as well, Mary kind of felt the same way. If we were all sitting in a godly play circle, I'd say to the children, I wonder how it made Mary feel when she realized that, that Jesus, her 12-year-old boy, was not with them on this long journey. And um, just to add a little more context there, there to help, I, I, you know, we already know that they were traveling in a caravan. That's what Luke tells us. But uh, what he didn't say is that this was really kind of a, ne a necessity for the trip to and from Jerusalem because the caravan provided a measure of protection um, from would-be robbers. And so there's strength in numbers here. And in these caravans, too, for the children, there was fun in numbers because they had other kids that they could travel and play with. And, and it was sort of up to the adults. It was everyone's responsibility for everyone else's child. And so I say that to say it's not like Mary and Joseph were being neglectful parents. They reasonably assumed Jesus was traveling in this caravan with 
the other children, but it wasn't until they had traveled for a day on the return trip that they realized Jesus wasn't in this returning caravan with them. And once they realized it, it took Mary and Joseph three days to make their way back to Jerusalem and find him. Can you imagine that? Three days. And they didn't find him wandering the streets or injured along the roadside or, or any of the other situations that I, I know I would have been imagining. But they found him in the temple. And he wasn't just casually hanging out in the temple. It's not like he just kind of stumbled in there and was, was waiting around. But Luke says that he was seated among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions, and even providing answers of his own. It, you know, we don't know much about Jesus' childhood years, but even here at the age of 12, we're given this glimpse of the awe and wonder that he strikes in the hearts and minds of the people that he encounters. And even Mary, even his own mother, the, the one who gave birth to him and, and fed him and burped him and clothed and soothed and changed and parented him, even Mary, it seems, had to hold within herself things about Jesus that she couldn't understand. So let me read to you again what happened. When they found him, Mary said, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. By the way, that wasn't the last time that uh, people close to Jesus didn't understand what he was saying, right? Luke then says, And Jesus went down with them, and he came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. In other words, Jesus never broke the commandment to honor his father and his mother. But here's what I want you to see. Verse 51. And his mother treasured up all these things, in her heart. His mother treasured up all these things in her heart. This isn't the first time that Luke has used that phrase, treasured up all these things in her heart. Um, it was after the shepherds, you might remember from our Christmas, ser- Christmas Eve service, it was after the shepherds came to visit the baby Jesus. The shepherds uh, were visited by an angel. They were told of a Savior child born on the very day of the angel's visit. And they rushed to Bethlehem to see for themselves. And after they put their eyes on Jesus and they told Mary and Joseph about all the angel had had said of this baby, Luke says that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So in in my inductive Bible study group that I led a few few months back, that was one of the things that I said that we, we really look for, that we kind of put a check mark by, is when we have repetition in Scripture. And so here, that was one of the things that just went off like a light bulb. That's repetition here in one chapter. So I went into the commentaries and dug in deep there, and I was a little surprised, honestly, to find that they didn't give a lot of explanation here for this. They generally say, that in both instances, uh, Luke was just highlighting Mary's understandable lack of comprehension of all that was going on with this baby boy that she had given birth to, who happened to be God incarnate. But while that's true, while it's important to see that Mary was merely human, 
that she was not all-knowing, that she uh, was not completely able to comprehend that her child was the Messiah. While that's true, I think there's something more here to consider. So let me just draw your attention to one, one point. That's all I want to bring out, just one point here this morning. In our world today, our anxious world, that is defined so often by immediate reaction, immediate response, speaking up loud and clearly and articulately and safely and doing so right away in that world, we miss out so often on what it means for us to just sit with something for a while before responding or saying a word. And I love that the translators here use the word treasure because the image is that of protection. It's protecting, it's like standing guard to to valuable things. And and standing guard isn't a rushed activity, is it? I mean, if you're standing guard, you're there in, in one place. You're present. You're aware of your surroundings. You're thinking. Mary, as far as we can see in Scripture, she was those things. She was present and aware. She was thoughtful. Luke gives us a a great picture of that in chapter 1. And what we see of her is this person who receives input. And regardless of how it makes her feel, she sits with it. She treasures it and ponders it. I mean, can you imagine how much it must have shaken her to her core to realize that Jesus, her child, wasn't with them after a day's journey on the way back to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem. And while it wouldn't be out of line to imagine that she and Joseph and, uh, and preteen Jesus, can you imagine preteen Jesus? I love saying that. It, while it wouldn't be out of line for us to just imagine that they had more conversation around what happened, what's impressive to me, and I hope for you too, is that Mary, instead of becoming riddled with anxiety over the things she couldn't understand, she treasured in her heart all that was said and done. And there's a sense in which we're invited with every moment of our lives to stop completely and to mindfully and prayerfully and thoughtfully consider all that is before us, to treasure these things in our hearts. And I would just encourage you in this new year to insert pauses, to make that be one of your resolutions, to insert more pauses in life, to insert a pause when you face things that you don't understand the difficult things, the, the painful things, the, the painful circumstances and disappointments and discouragements. I encourage you not to say or not to do the knee-jerk thing, the first reaction that comes to your mind, but instead to insert a pause to mindfully and prayerfully and thoughtfully consider all that's before you. Now, to be clear, I'm not suggesting that We all just brood and stew on the things that bother us. That's not what I'm saying. Neither am I suggesting that we just stuff our emotions and thoughts and feelings way down and forget about them. What what I'm saying is that we stop to consider where God is in this situation, where God is in this present moment, in this thing that I'm facing, and what, what He might actually be saying. Bob Goff, some of you may know, is the author of a book, um, best-selling book, Love Does. I I love this quote of his. He once wrote, some of the most beautiful chapters in our lives won't have a title until much later. 
And I, I found that to be true countless times in, in my own life. And I, I am certainly not a patient person. And I have the tendency to write chapter titles really quickly. And sometimes those chapters are, are seasons of my life. And sometimes it's been disappointment. Sometimes it's been painful things that have happened. And sometimes it's been people. But God has shown me over and over again that while the pain and and the disappointment is real and it matters, and while the consequences of those things that I've done and things done to me may continue on, He is eternally at work making all things new. He is present to all things that I don't understand. And yet, I still don't need to understand it for it to be good. I don't know how much Mary really understood about Jesus. At least when he was 12, I can't imagine that she even got the half of it. But I do know that Mary trusted a God whose knowledge and power and love aren't contingent on what we understand. And so the challenge for us is whether we're inserting a pause to, like Mary, treasure up the things we don't understand so that perhaps a more fitting and right, and good, and lovely, and true title to those chapters can be given. I've shared this uh, story before, and I I think it bears repeating here, but I I can remember about two and a half years ago, we were scheduled to close on selling our house that we were in and buying a new one. And it was stressful, like any home buying and selling is, but I could not wait to get rid of that house. Couldn't wait. I mean, it was the house, every time I pulled into the driveway, it taunted me. A new fence post would be down or just, there's just a new place that needed to be, it, it, it needed to be fixed constantly. I had this, this note list going through my head. It just kept getting longer and longer things that needed to be fixed. Anybody else have a house like that? Yes. All right, so you know what I'm talking about. So when we finally decided to sell this house, I was elated. But I remember the day of closing. And I especially remember getting up early in the morning because I'm a, I'm a hopeless Enneagram type one, if you know what that is. I, I just wanted to make everything, make sure everything was properly boxed and properly labeled and all facing the same way and, you know, ready to go and my game plan set And I just remember this moment of walking into the living room and I watched the early morning sun come through the windows. And all of these memories came flooding back to me. And I I remembered and I saw there in the living room where Brighton took her first steps. And I saw, remember and saw where Sam stood when he came back home from a really scary week in the hospital. And I looked in the playroom and I saw where Sarah had practiced turning cartwheels. And I saw Christmases and birthdays. And I saw and remembered friends coming to help us fix things. And me and and Father Mark sitting on the kitchen floor chiseling up tile. It was a lot of fun. I saw where Father Robert had come and sat on the sofa with me when when we were first talking about me possibly coming to work for the church. I saw and I remembered so many things and I was grieved in that moment that for so long I had missed treasuring those moments and treasuring that season. It was a hard season. 
but I'd miss treasuring it because I was too busy writing the title for that chapter, Terrible Home. And God opened my eyes that morning to see all that He had done while we were there and all the ways Jesus had been present to me in that season. Even when I couldn't understand it, especially when I couldn't understand it, especially when I couldn't grasp what was going on in life. And gratitude just washed over me. And, and I want that for you. I want that for all of us. So what about you? What are those things or circumstances or seasons of life or people that you need to start treasuring? Seeing where God is at work in the midst of those things that you can't fully comprehend. So I, I hope and pray for myself and for you this year that we can have a little bit of Catherine O'Hara, you know, Kevin's mom, and a little, a lot of bit of Mary in us, and that when we come to these places in our lives where we can't comprehend all that the Son has accomplished and all that the Son is accomplishing in our midst and all that the Son will accomplish, when we can't comprehend that, that we'll just be simply content to treasure those things, pondering them in our hearts. So may you, may we, insert more pauses in this new year to do just that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.